Episode 2, How Structured Habits Actually Give You More Freedom. Welcome to Living Beyond the Book, the show where we help writers move beyond fear, overwhelm, and unhealthy habits into a consistent and productive creative lifestyle. Your host, Emma Boone, is an author, publisher, mom, yoga enthusiast, and recovering blocked writer. She's here to help you unlock your creative potential. Now let's talk living beyond the book. If you've spent any amount of time in a creative industry, you hear a lot of discussion about structured versus unstructured habits. For example, with writing, we often hear the debates between plotters, those who plan stories, outline, world building, and pantsers, where we follow the energy of our story without a predetermined plot, Um, the butt in chair, where you treat writing like a job and show up each day to get the words down at a steady pace, whether you feel like it or not, versus writing when you're excited about a project or feel inspired. Or a scheduled writing time versus writing in the cracks of time. So scheduled is when you have a set time, you do it every day or on certain days. And writing in the cracks is when you put something together when you have time, when your kids are watching TV or when you have uh, time to get it together. So those are those are the some of the examples of structured versus unstructured time. And all of these obviously depend on your life situation, whether you have kids, whether you have a full-time job, and all of them work well for different people. There's no right or wrong. There's no one size fits all when it comes to creativity. But in general, I feel like we can all make time for something if it's important enough to us and working within some type of parameters will make us more efficient and effective in the long run. But that sounds counterintuitive, right? Since writing is a creative suit, shouldn't we pursue, shouldn't we leave it to passion rather than something more confining than planning and structure? Don't they take away our creativity? I believe The exact opposite is true, that we can be more creative when we have some confines. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But I remember as a kid, my parents had um, this example. They were pretty strict, and they like to tell the analogy of a kite. Um, The analogy is if you have a string on it or in other words, some rules and guidelines, your kite will fly higher and stay strong longer, where if you don't have a string or rules or discipline, the kite will crash to the ground. It seems just like creativity, counterintuitive. You would think that if you let the kite go, that the wind would catch it and it would fly forever. Um, it's, It's a beautiful idea that it would just fly forever and stay up there. But I did some research on this, and though I'm not a scientist, it turns out my parents might have actually known what they were talking about. And here's why. So the string adds stability. Because the string is anchored to the center and both sides of the kite, it keeps it from rotating and twisting in the wind. Second, the framework adds tension, so it keeps the front strong with a wide enough surface area to catch the wind instead of folding in on itself and collapsing to the ground. And third, I'm sure there are other reasons, but the third I thought was interesting and applicable was your energy helps it move. If it weren't anchored to your arm via the string and you weren't running with it or guiding it, the wind would keep it high for a little bit, but eventually it would fall. So 
rather than flying higher as it would be fun to imagine, letting the kite go free with no constraints works against its abilities, actually. It may fly off or appear to be free, but it won't take very long before it comes crashing down to the ground. Without the flat, steady surface to catch the wind like on a like a sail on a sailboat, it will twist and fall instead of using the wind to take it higher. Without you grounding it, the wind will eventually fail the kite and drop it to the ground. So think of the wind as the thing that pushes you to write. If you don't have the structure, it comes and bursts and then it dies away. It ebbs and flows. There's not enough consistent energy to hold it in the air. Without the tension and stability harnessing the energy, it won't stay up for long either. I feel like this is a really interesting analogy, especially for writers. Um, Author Matthew May says, creativity thrives under intelligent constraints. And I love that because if you think about it, the literary world is full of constraints. There are short stories. There are specific guidelines for word count or writing each um, specific word counts for genres. Um, there's outlining a story before you write it. There's um, the constraints of specific genres or age groups. There's the constraints of poetry, uh, haikus versus um, sonnets or whatever else. And then if you have a writing prompt, that gives you specific inherent constraints right there. So any t- any genre or idea you choose to write in has some constraints. Um, one of my favorite examples of this, and I'll probably talk more about this later because I have a lot to say, but and it's actually super fascinating to me, but uh, one of my favorite books of all time is Frankenstein. Um, I, I like it because it's just so full of emotion of grief and loss. And um, it's just a really interesting story. If you haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. But even more interesting than that is Mary Shelley. She has um, an interesting life. She has a really sad, hard story. But if you think of the ideas behind Frankenstein, there are three main things. One, she had this, um, fascination with science. She was always interested in the science of the time. And it was a time when people traveled around like with science fairs and displayed their ideas. And she went to one of these and saw um, a presentation on reanimation where they were trying to put electricity back into inanimate objects or dead objects and reanimate them. Um, The other thing was she had lost her mother at a young age, age and was fixated on on where her mother was and how, what happened after death and why she was taken away. And um, she also lost several babies, small children. And so death was something that she was really, um, something she thought about a lot and something that she had her own grief and loss and emotion. So you have those two ideas, the idea of reanimation and science, and then grief and loss and trying to reconcile those two. So she had those all along. But then the cool part is where the constraints come in. She and her husband, Percy Shelley, and Lord Byron and a couple of other people had this weekend of basically a big orgy in the countryside and they had um they were drinking and having fun and they were all artists and uh, i believe it was lord byron said let's have a competition let's see who can write the best ghost story so with 
already the idea of reanimation and grief and loss in her head, Mary Shelley now had the constraints. She now had the structure for how to write Frankenstein. And that's what came out of it is Frankenstein. So she was trying to write a ghost story and she already had all of the elements, but it wasn't until she added the constraints of a certain genre that she was able to put those ideas ideas together and make something as amazing as Frankenstein. So that's one example of where I think constraints are really useful. They give you a framework for getting something done. They give you um, parameters. A lot of times when we don't have constraints, our mind is, isn't sure what to do with the information that we already have. Marissa Meyer, CEO of Yahoo, says, creativity is often misunderstood. People often think of it in terms of artistic work, unbridled, unguided effort that leads to beautiful effect. If you look deeper, however, you'll find that some of the most inspiring art forms, haikus, sonatas, religious paintings, are fraught with constraints. Excellent ideas of things that use a framework and are still the art that changes the world. Um, Think of that with song structures or poems. These are easy ways to visualize how effective it can be to have that framework in place. So many times we'll sit in front of the computer wanting to write, not knowing what to say, or we start a project when we're passionate about it, and then it fizzles out as our energy and enthusiasm dry up. But a lot of times when we add a little bit of structure, we'll find we have more to say than we've given ourselves credit for. Having a plan with constraints just might inspire creativity in ways um, giving ourselves a f- no framework never has. So here are a few examples. And I challenge you to um, take take some of them and try it. Um, one, commit to writing one short story a day for two weeks. Are you more likely to come up with ideas if you're thinking through and forcing yourself to come up with something? Chances are, even if you only come up with 10 stories instead of 14, that's still 10 more than you would have had. Or if you write um, 14 stories and they're all terrible, but one, that's still one great short story that you wouldn't have had if you hadn't tried that constraint. Um, Another one is the example of NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month in November, um, where you're committing to write 50,000 words in a month. Maybe you'll start and only get 32,000 words, but that's still 32,000 more than when you started and probably many more than you would have had if you only wrote when you felt like it. So I do think there's something about being passionate about something and writing with the flow when it's there, but there's also something to say for giving yourself these parameters to get work done and all of it won't be crappy. Some of it will be really good. Some of it will be useful, even if all of it isn't. So this week, challenge yourself. Set one or two guidelines for your writing, whether that's with time and schedule constraints or with the constraints of a new genre or the structured framework of a poem, something you haven't tried before. Put a plan in motion and stick to that and see what happens. I I honestly would love to hear from you and see if anything comes of it. I really do believe that like a kite, we're able to fly higher and be stronger creatively with a framework or structure than we can when we leave our writing careers to chance or whimsy or when we feel like it. So um, next week will be December. So I'm going to start talking about um, framework within the writing itself. But tonight I want to give you a few Um, five tips for ways that you can start writing in general. If you're struggling to get words down, which 
for me is the hardest part is getting that first draft written. Then these are a few ways that, um, that you can do that, but also come back next week. And we're going to talk about getting a novel organized and mapped out. Even for pantsers, it's a super easy high level process. I call it messy mapping because it's not, I don't like deep dive outlining. I like the creativity that comes with knowing where you're going in general, but not tying yourself in with very specific um, outlines and world building, that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll talk about that more this next week, but tonight I want to give you five ways that it's easy to get started with writing. If you are having trouble with that right now, number one is write in the cracks of your life, right in the gaps of your already scheduled things. That doesn't sound very much like structure, but if you plan for it, then you're ready to take advantage of those times that pop up. So say you're a mom and you're booked solid from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. with your kids and um, virtual learning and everything that you have going on. You have a day job maybe. Um, So take that time, those little gaps when your kids are watching TV or when you're waiting for a doctor's appointment and use those. But the the structure comes in when you're prepared for those. Either you carry a notebook with you or you take notes on your phone and you have a general idea of where you're going. So you can easily take that time and make it work for you and your writing. Number two, free write passages you're excited about. A lot of times when we're trying to think linearly linearly about a, a book, um, it's, it's hard to push ourselves. So two things come of this. One, we write the parts we're excited about. If there's a kissing scene or an end scene or whatever else that you're really excited about, then go with that when you have the energy. And that will get big chunks done. And then you'll realize all you have to do is figure out the transitions. And it will keep you from writing out long, boring parts that you're not excited about. And your reader won't want to read them either if they're boring. But also it will it'll force you to be thinking about what things you are excited about in your book and what chunks you can get written. So if you're not excited about any of it, then it's probably not a project that you want to take on. But if there are four or five passages that you're genuinely excited to write out, then work on those first, and then it's easier to fill in the gaps once you're in the groove on those. Number three is timed sprints. I'm a huge fan of timed sprints because writing a book feels completely overwhelming. Sometimes even writing a chapter feels overwhelming. But if you're writing for 20 minutes or eight minutes or five minutes, anyone can do that. Anyone can say, I have 20 minutes right now. I'm setting a timer. And as soon as it goes off, I'm done. So you train yourself. It builds up muscles as you work on it. But you also train yourself that when you sit down and turn on that timer, then it's time to go. And you can write so much in a day if you even have one or two or three 20-minute sessions or five, however many you want. I feel like having a minimum amount of time and setting a timer is a really easy way to get in a good habit. Number four, this is one that I read a lot in productivity books. It's So it's been... It's come to be known as the Seinfeld method. And what he would do is he would he would say, I write every single day. To become a better joke writer, I have to write every single day. And what he would do is just get a big calendar, 
and put a red X on that day. It didn't matter how much you wrote. If he wrote that day, he put a red X on it. And then he would start to see his calendar fill up and he just became obsessed with filling out the days. So he said, after a few days, you'll have a chain. Just keep at it and the chain will grow longer every day. You'll like seeing that chain, especially when you get in a a few weeks under your belt. Your only job next is to not break the chain. So just think about that. Don't break the chain. And that's all you have to worry about, right? A little bit every day. And I honestly have noticed that when I start and I say I'm going to write for five minutes, I usually hit a groove and I write a lot longer than that. So just getting started is the hardest part and making a chain or check marks on a calendar or a sticker or whatever it takes to motivate you that you can visually see how well you're doing um, will help you a lot with consistency. And when you're consistent, words pile up. Um, I think it was Margaret Atwood that said a word after I should look it up a word after a word after a word is magic or something like that. But it's just one word at a time. And as those build up, then you have something substantial that you can work with. Number five, write one page a day. Your only goal, it doesn't matter if it's good writing, it doesn't matter if it's bad writing, the only goal is to get one page of writing in a day. After two weeks, you'll have several chapters. After a year, you'll have a 365-page book. Most of us don't write books that are that long. So in less than a year, if we write a page a day, then we will have a solid draft of a book. So I I hope those are helpful. That's five ways you can get started right now um, doing better at being consistent with your writing and actually getting words down. I think that's the hardest part. For me, I love, um, I love revising. I love having words there that I can play with and fine tune. It's just the, it's really intimidating to get the first draft. It's really intimidating to get the ideas down in a coherent manner. So just making a plan and having a structure for that will make a world of difference in being able to create a habit and also in the short term, feel like you're making some kind of progress. And like I said, next week, we'll talk about So that's structure with timing. Next week, we'll talk about structure with um, the actual story itself. And I feel like I feel like you'll find it helpful. I'm not a big outliner. I don't spend a lot of time on outlines. I don't find that useful in my own writing. And I do find I'm more creative when I have a general idea of where I'm going and then some of the freedom within that to grow a story organically. So we'll talk about that. But I don't want you to be intimidated by the idea. That's why it's called messy mapping. It's it's simple and messy, and it's just what you need to get started and get on the right path. So I hope you'll join me next week as we practice some constraints um, that will help your your story a lot. And I hope you'll practice some of the constraints this week that we talked about, a short story or something you haven't tried before. Just do it and see what happens. Maybe like Mary Shelley, you'll put out something you didn't even know you had inside you. So happy writing and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Living Beyond the Book. Make sure to visit our website, livingbeyondthebook.com, where you can find show notes and connect with us outside the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll automatically get new shows every week. And we'd also really love it if you left a review. Now go write those stories. And don't forget to take care of yourself beyond the book.